Right now, there's a very particular trend taking over the art world. Van Gogh immersive experiences. From Dubai to New York, Dallas to Berlin, people can't get enough of Vincent van Gogh's paintings projected onto walls, ceilings, and floors. Our producer, Rachel Humphreys, went to one of these in London. Here we go. Big moment. <gasps> oh, wow. She walked into a room where Van Gogh's paintings were animated and projected onto every wall. Visitors watched it all from deck chairs as speakers blared Van Gogh's words. But in this death, there is nothing sad. It takes place in broad daylight. And then, Rachel strapped on a VR headset and was transported to Van Gogh's corner of southern France. Headset's going on. I'm in Van Gogh's Provence. It's very beautiful. Oh, there's a chicken. I'm going over the chicken. Ah, now we're looking at the famous Starry Night. Immersive experiences like this one are showing how art can draw big crowds. But they're also forcing museums to rethink how they can lure in people to see the original paintings. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, December 15th. Coming up on the show, how immersive Van Gogh is changing the way we see art. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Immersive experiences have been gaining in popularity, and they run the gamut. There was an immersive Gilmore Girls diner where real coffee was served, or a drive through of scenes from the Netflix series Stranger Things. And immersive experiences can also be high art. What does immersive art really mean? Immersive is parlance for walking into an environment that is created by an artist for which you are supposed to get lost in. That's our colleague Kelly Crow, who covers the business of art. Like if you've heard about the rain room where people could walk through and the rain would sort of fall overhead but would not fall on you. It's really surreal. I mean, not only is it raining indoors, but... I mean, I'm not even getting in the slightest bit wet wherever I go. Everyone who's ever been to a Yayoi Kusama immersive space where you walk through mirrors and lights, you feel like you're just suddenly in the middle of a star system. Artists have really led the way for many years in sort of creating these immersive environments. The shows Kelly's talking about were collaborations between major museums and artists. But immersive Van Gogh shows are different. About a decade ago, you started seeing the emergence of production companies that came from the realms of rock concerts and circuses and theatrical productions. 
These production companies turned to the fine arts, but they needed to find an artist who was both famous and who had enough work for a fully immersive experience. The choice of the artist is very key because they can't make one of these things if the artist doesn't have a huge output. They need tons of imagery in order to feed the beast, sort of to create a visual montage that will be long enough of a show to stretch a half an hour or whatever they need. So you're not going to probably see an immersive of Johannes Vermeer. He only did like 35, 36 paintings. So you can't create enough oomph, you know, to stretch over a long period of time. Van Gogh fit the bill. He has more than 900 paintings from Starry Night to his famous landscapes. And they were painted long enough ago that they're now in the public domain. These Van Gogh immersive shows began in Europe some years ago and have grown in popularity. Right now, at least five different production companies are hosting shows in around 40 U.S. cities. And these shows are being heavily marketed. First heard about the immersives somewhere between ads on my Facebook and hearing about this episode of a show called Emily in Paris. Starry Night, one of my favorites. Mine too. She's in Paris and she went to see one of these immersive shows and she's walking around looking at Van Gogh's Starry Nights and I think that played really well to a young audience who thought, ooh, I want to go do that. I want to go see that. Kelly had heard enough to pique her interest. So she headed to see a Van Gogh immersive herself. The floors and the ceiling and and the walls are just surrounded by, yeah, the biggest screen I've ever seen. There are beanbags on the floor and I just sort of sat there. They would have a whole few screens of sunflowers all dancing and bobbing around and then suddenly they would like fall to the floor and wilt and die and then something else would grow up in its place. And there was a cute moment where we were looking at one of his paintings of a couple of crabs and then the crabs like started to walk off the canvas and walk onto the <laughs> walk onto the wall so just little animated so it's moments like animated yeah, van gogh little animated van gogh but when you're there you're not actually seeing any of van gogh's paintings they don't show any actual paintings right so they're talking about van gogh's brushwork but you're not actually seeing anything that he ever touched or did. And there's another caveat in that. We don't know what Van Gogh would have made of this. He's not around to say, hey, look, I don't want flies from one of my still life paintings zooming over my vase of sunflowers. But even though you won't see an original Van Gogh painting at any of these experiences, tickets can cost somewhere between $35 to $100. And that's not putting visitors off. So I spoke with a producer for Van Gogh, The Immersive Experience, and he's selling, I think, at least three and a half million tickets just for his Van Gogh version in the last four years. He's, he's making some serious money. As more companies have hopped onto the Van Gogh bandwagon, some U.S. cities have found themselves with not one, but two immersive experiences of the Dutch painter, which has led to some confusion. Two shows that look similar will give a vastly different experience. The Immersive Van Gogh is an animated, projected installment. Van Gogh, the Immersive Experience, is seen somewhat through virtual reality headsets. Kathleen and her 13-year-old daughter will be going to both shows, but she has a warning for others. Read the descriptions really, really closely because it may not be, you know, the thing you want to go to. 
What does the huge success of these immersive Van Gogh experiences mean for major museums and galleries? A major NFT artist texted me and he's like, museums should be thrilled about this. I mean, at least it proves, right, that art still has some cultural relevance and that art is seen as a good date night. And, you know, we should we should be applauding these spaces. But for museums, it's really unsettling to feel like people would be just as happy standing in front of a screen of a painting rather than standing in front of the real thing. The director of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York told Kelly that, quote, these multi-sensory experiences are not art. They're a form of entertainment. The production companies behind the immersive exhibits say they respect museums and aren't trying to steal ticket sales. The artistic director of one of the big immersive companies said that many people are intimidated by museums, and that's not the case with immersives. Up next... The battle in one U.S. city between Van Gogh originals and Van Gogh immersives. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. In Dallas, Texas, where Kelly lives, the Museum of Art has spent nine years curating a collection of Van Gogh's olive grove paintings. They've brought together the collection of works that the artist made in the last year of his life. These 10 paintings had never been publicly shown, probably ever, and certainly not since they were in either Van Gogh's studio or in his brother's house, you know, had they ever been bundled together. And so you have this real golden moment to finally see works that have never been put together, which, you know, Van Gogh is pretty well-mined artist, right? So to sort of come up with something new, right, felt really cool. But instead of choosing to see the 10 original Olive Grove paintings, people in Dallas have been going to see the other Van Gogh experiences, Specifically, two immersive Van Goghs. One in an old baseball stadium, the other in a former Masonic temple. All over town, all over Dallas, all the billboards that you saw were for these immersive shows. Never have folks in Texas had a better chance to see Van Gogh, but the truth is that they're going to the immersives at a pretty heavy clip. And Kelly says, for the Dallas Museum of Art, this is frustrating. 
I think it's just irksome. It's just annoying. Um, I spoke with one curator in Dallas who said, you know, she tried to create this very enveloping sort of space by painting the walls and putting the olive grove paintings up. And she's like, man, I hate to even call it immersive, but I'm trying to sort of create an atmosphere. I was trying to create a vibe, but she doesn't even want to use that word immersive because it feels so tainted now. And so I think there's a real high-low, so just kind of culture clash happening, you know, and they're going to either have to play nice and get along or they're just going to cannibalize each other for a bit. What does this situation in Dallas tell you about what people want from an art exhibit or experience? I think the reason why this situation in Dallas is so intriguing is that you have three chances to see the same artist at once, and yet... The foot traffic seems to indicate, at least early on, that they would rather see a screen of the thing than the real thing itself, which is bittersweet for me because I I write about the real thing. Uh, You know, I try to keep track of what's happening with digital art. I don't think it's a lesser art, but um, I also know the heavy lifting that it takes for curators to pull these pieces together. And for museums right now, Getting people through the door is more important than ever. The truth is that museums are really struggling right now. Most of them are, you know, at a quarter to a third, maybe half their pre-pandemic attendance levels. And they have the original masterpieces there and the doors are open and they want folks to come back in. They can't get people in the door to see the real thing. And yet people are paying, you know, $100 a pop to go see basically the world's largest screensaver. You know, you feel some compassion toward museums But people do want to be wowed and they do want to feel like they're not being preached at. They don't want to feel like they're in trouble when they go into an art museum. And art museums have traditionally been places where you are told not to touch, you're told not to take pictures, you're told not to take pictures with flash. Like you sort of feel like you have to be on your best behavior. You know, there's just a different barrier of entry. Kelly says that the success of shows like Immersive Van Gogh are prompting some museums to think differently. And those that do have found that it pays off. You know, there are things that museums need to do to sort of, you know, get off their high horse and play a little bit. You know, Meow Wolf is a big immersive space in Santa Fe and in Denver and in Las Vegas. And they hire tons of artists to sort of create experiential places that you can go in and and have fun. And they're selling like gangbusters. They've, you know, they'll probably sell a million and a half tickets alone this year across their three spaces. So, you know, when artists do collaborate on these um, moments and when museums allow them to, I think the results are pretty electrifying. and, And I'm hoping we'll see more of that. And these immersive art experiences are here to stay. Right now in Toronto, there's Immersive Klimt. And in Naples, Italy, there's Claude Monet, the immersive experience, where visitors can walk over a bridge surrounded by water lilies. It started to dawn on me that it wasn't just the fluke of Van Gogh. Like, this is going to be transformative, potentially, for the way in which a whole generation of young people experience art. And the irony is that it will involve them not actually seeing a real painting. That's fascinating to me. You've talked about this as like a high-low thing and potentially a culture clash. Like, do you see this as the cheapening of fine art or the democratization of it? 
I think it is both the democratization of art and potentially the cheapening of it. I think it's both because anything that makes art more accessible and less elite, I tend to fall down on the side of. Um, I tend to try not to be snobby in defining what art can be because uh, we're a big fun world and we should, you know, see art in as many different forms as we can. But when I see that museums, even the Med is at half mast, they're about 50% capacity uh, because of travel restrictions from international tourists and just, you know, the pandemic. But I don't want us to be in a place where the institutions that hold our national treasures are struggling, right, to keep the lights on and pay the guards and pay the staff because um, everyone is content with, you know, seeing a digital panorama and willing to pay for it. That's all for today, Wednesday, December 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.